This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, 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 It's like nothing's changed. <laughs> Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's lovely to have you back. Uh, just 620 episodes have been and gone since we last <laughs> talked Swindon Town. And yes, nothing has changed. It's silly, isn't it? I thought that I'd detached myself completely. Well, I did detach myself completely from the club for a few years um, in sort of 2018, 19, 20, 21. And now here I am again. Um, well, it's always good fun. Sort of. It's, it's a good fun for those who, who like their fun to be quite dark. <laughs> yeah, come crawling back, eh? <laughs> they always come crawling back. And off, Mike, you were saying you're a season ticket holder now, which is lovely to hear. Yeah, I've been a season ticket holder for three seasons, uh, ba- basically since Mr. Power left the club. Um, I wasn't able to attend for the first season, so a, a local resident got it in my place. But I've been sitting halfway up on the halfway line in the Arkles for the last two years, listening to people shout, get it forward. So really nothing ever changes. Nothing ever changes. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so in that time, what have you been up to and what are you doing now? Well, I was I was running a, a cricket website for uh, for six years um, for, for the cricketer, um, and that was great. Uh, it, it gave me a, a big insight into a different part of the world, a slightly less uh, grainy, less shady, less... 
ambiguous part of, of the sporting world. Um, and obviously operating through summer may, makes a difference to, to being outside in the nice weather. Um, but I got to a point where I felt as though uh, I was ready to sort of regain a bit of my life, except that I've walked straight into something where I'm getting messages at all times of night. And my wife is looking at me going, I thought that we left that behind. No, that, that's what we did 10 years ago, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I've, I, the, the stuff that I'm doing around town now um, for for a, an outlet called The Inc., which is a, a paid-for slow news newsletter that, that comes out several times a week um, and is produced by the same organization that's behind this, the Swindon Link magazine, um, is a part, it's a part-time gig, you know. It's it's doing a column a week where I'm trying to get a bit back into, into the sort of storytelling that, that I was doing when I was with the advertiser and with Total Sport all those years ago. But it's not a, a 24-7 job, frankly. It doesn't pay the bills. So um, I'm doing various bits of media consultancy um, and digital consultancy as the bread and butter to actually pay the mortgage. And um, on the side, I am trying to get my teeth back into it. Um, I have a larger project, which is in the pipeline, which may mean that I'm doing more around uh, the club come the summer. Um, so I'm sort of trying to, to build towards that as well. Um, though I don't have a great deal to say about that at the moment it's, it's very embryonic um so it's about getting myself back used to what it is to, to cover the club and i love writing about the club as much as that sounds absolutely crazy it was uh, always such a joy and i hold those years between 2012 and 2015 as, as the best of my career so it's nice to to get back talking about the club that i've supported since i was a a, a little boy 30 years now which is which is ridiculous um but yeah, very much not quite full time yet. Let, let's see if people want to pay for coverage of Swindon Town. And if they do, then, it, then this sort of thing might become more full time as we go along. I will see. Yes, because I, I have seen many a welcome back, Sam Mooreshead, you are only hope sort of rhetoric. But... Yeah, that's a, bit, that's a bit extreme, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are many more people that come in front of me as that. But it's been nice to re-engage with a lot of people who um, I engaged with a lot many years ago. Um, and whose contacts have sort of fallen away for obvious reasons, moving away, being in London, being in a different industry, not engaging with the club, etc. You, you sort of lose contact with these guys um, on a day-to-day basis. And it's it's been nice making those contacts again and uh, and finding that people are just as uh, as chirpy and as characterful as they were uh, eight to ten years ago. Um, and that's remarkable, really, given the decade that the club has had. Mm, it really is. And I think... Anyone that was part of that night when Danny Green, Marlon Pack, and Bradley Wright for this didn't sign, I think we all went we all went for an experience together. So, <laughs> gosh, yeah, that's what I was um, actually. I was speaking to the agent of two of those guys the other day, and I forgot to mention it to him. That, oh God, that's more than ten years ago now, isn't it? What a what a ridiculous period that was. But look, this I, this this club is one of those clubs that just does its nonsense, but not. On, at the top of the queue of nonsense in EFL football. It's never quite getting all the headlines of being, you know, the, the nonsense club of the week. Um, obviously, at the moment, it's Reading and it will be someone else another week and another one another week. And, and all the while, Swindon Town has been a nonsense club for 10 years, but just not quite as daft enough to, to be top of the list. Um, but uh, who would be a Swindon fan? Me, I would. No, I was on the radio the other day, and someone said, "Is that?" And the and the, the question was, "Is there a, is there a worst run club than Swindon?" I went, "Yes, Reading, straight away, <laughs> straight away, without without a heartbeat." But um, yeah, I mean that that is much of our conversation today. But if you don't mind, Sam, 
I want to talk about football, if that's okay, just for wow. a little bit. Just this is why we're here, um, sure. supporting Swindon Town, isn't it? Just to enjoy some. <laughs> let's talk about football. Let, let's do it. Yeah, why not? Let's go why for not? it. Let's just let's be a bit edgy and a bit different. A huge congratulations, first and foremost, to Swindon Town under 18s for really, really impressive performance against Manchester United under 18s. I was there in the cold, complaining about the cold and worrying that this game would go to extra time so I would be home late. I didn't need to uh, worry because it was as professional, as relaxed performance by the under-18s that that I've, I've seen all season with Swindon matches. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've only sort of read the, the reviews of it rather than actually being able to, to see it um, myself. But the fact that our academy has beaten that academy, especially given the season that, that that academy, the United Academy, is having in the league this year. I mean, they've, they've won all of their games. <laughs> and then Swindon have just rocked up and, and seen them off. And and that must be, I'm saying, with absolutely no authority and having not consulted with Paul Plowman or Richard Banyard or anyone, but it surely it must be the best result in the club's academy history. It, it just has to be. And that, and that, at this time, I have two emotions about it. One is it's just amazing. It's brilliant for the club. It's fantastic uh, for, for Sean Wood and Alex Pike and everyone else who's involved in, in that side of things. Um, but it's just so sad that it fell on the same night and in the same week that there is so much other chat that's going on around the club that it sort of gets slightly overshadowed. In any other week of or in any other normal club situation, that story would be at least front and centre of the local news for a day, two days, um, and perhaps even front page of like the envelope, just beating Man United's kids is, is enough. It's enough of a different story to have graced it um, and to be talked about forever. But instead, the attention span for that result is not going to get the longevity that it deserves. And that's really sad. Um, but from a footballing perspective, Wow, yeah, special. A special night for the guys, and I hope that they had a, a good time celebrating with their orange juice or whatever they're allowed to have. Yeah, probably had double maths the next day at college or whatever, <laughs> but uh, the only time I'd be going into maths with a smile on my face if I was a part of that squad. Really strong performances. I mean, Harry Chard was, was brilliant, and what a moment for Amin up front scoring those two goals. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. And Sunderland and Ginningham away to way in the next. Ah, the glamour tie. The, the big glamour tie, tie. The big tie, yeah. indeed. Um, and, and you're completely right for various reasons on this tie because standalone, it's the big news of the week, but the internet went crazy in the evening. The The advisory board minutes went, went live a couple hours before the game. And then we had the Clem Mulfooney press junket the following day everything squeezed in at the same time, all of it preventable, just denied the under-18s to many people that that moment under the sun because it's already four, five pay, you know, stories down from Swindon's own you know, new cycle because of what we're going to talk about next, which is signings. Brilliant. So um, a couple of signings and one exit today. Um, first up was Pharrell Johnson, um, who is a six foot four, 19 year old centre back, son of former Notts County, Birmingham, and Derby defender Michael Johnson. Online stats for him aren't great. He doesn't appear to have played much over the last couple of seasons. Various websites are usually quite good at this, um, but there's not much data. 41 minutes this season, including a couple of EFL trophy appearances for Nottingham Forest. Only 316 minutes of uh, lower league or youth football 
last season, no apparent non-league loans. So essentially, Harrison Minton has more League Two experience for him. But we were we were screaming for a tall centre back, or many were. So we welcome him and wish him all the best. It's a body, it's a tall body, um, and we're still aching for that defensive experience until a little bit later, when twenty-five-year-old defender Connor McCarthy signed another. Six foot fourer, loads of experience in Ireland and Scotland with Cork City and St Mirren. Hasn't gone fully to plan so far at Barnsley and he's only played an EFL trophy this year. So, Sam, two signings. That's what we're looking for. Looking around the comments on this, obviously fans are happy. But again, they're looking for, I don't know, a little bit more in terms of the experience side of things. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The the commodity of experience can be incredibly overrated depending on the ability of the player. Um, I think that there are are people that talk within that back line. You can definitely tell that Tom Brewitt and Fraser Blake Tracy can organise things and they're willing to have a, a shout. So what the experience, I guess, is is technical experience and do do they need that necessarily in a playing capacity or could they do with more of that in terms of coaching and, and just being around the place um I, I don't know i think that we've seen enough teams in uh swindon history that don't have masses of experience obviously we've seen ones that, that have plenty in it and that's worked well too but we've seen teams that have been built around uh plenty of young talent succeed depending on how that talent is is drilled, um, how they adapt to certain scenarios um, and how how they evolve as a team going forward. And I think the issue with the first half of this season is that, that the team didn't evolve, it got worse, um, and the team didn't get drilled well defensively, it got worse, um, and they didn't find ways to adapt to certain scenarios in games. And that those are all issues that relate, in my opinion, just as much uh, to coaching as, and scouting as it does to the, to the individual that's coming in. So experience, yes, it, it can be a useful commodity in, in bringing a sense of calm um, to a dressing room. But if the coaching is there to be able to put people in a headspace and to give them the technical confidence to be able to perform at levels that presumably they can achieve, otherwise why have they been scouted, then um, I don't know that for me it's necessarily as important uh, as as the ability side of things. Um, that said, obviously, Colin McCarthy's had a, a bit longer in the game. He's had his injury problems, just like Paul Glatzel has had his injury problems, and it will be interesting to see um, whether we can avoid any more of those. I think the first half of the year has been so disrupted by injuries that that, that, that has caused part of the issues. Um, and he does have that extra bit of age experience, even if there's not masses of, of EFL experience there. But the most important thing for me is how Gavin Gunning fits these these defenders together, the shape that he puts them in, the technical confidence that he gives them so that they know what each other is doing, and the way in which he develops a midfield that can support that defence in transition. And all of that has been missing at times during the first half of the season, particularly in the second half of matches. And that's what's generally cost, whatever it is, 13 points from from positions uh, from winning positions or something stupid like that and uh, and with bottom of the table for um for second half performances top for the first wherever it is that that all comes down to these technical sides of things of the, of the coaching so yeah i experience great 
brilliant if you can get it. I'm much more interested in ability and then that ability being given the opportunity to actually perform together. And that's where I feel personally that, that the side has, has, let, has been let down, has let itself down over the past three months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you kind of took my question on that. I'm also interested to see how Gavin Gunning sets them up, whether they're going to stick to the back three or they're going to allow Godwin Malife and Fraser Blake Tracy play in their natural positions. Yeah, it's interesting. I, th- I think what we do have now, it seems, is that some actual out and out defenders. I think what, one of the observations I kept making throughout this, this run is that the team seems to be blessed with. Like nine midfielders, and that they, they they're all very competent on the ball. They all want to burst into space, but it often creates a load of additional space, and then they can't restructure and get together. Um, it will be interesting to see if Gunning Ball involves a more solid back four with two old school fullbacks. I'm not sure whether it will, or whether he does just move the the two that you've mentioned to being the outside forwards effectively. Um, uh, on a on a five, with three centre backs in McCarthy, Brewitt, and Johnson slash Minton. I, I I mean I, I would I think I'd be interested in seeing how both of those systems actually looks, and I imagine he may try a bit of both to see to see what he feels is um is most functional. Uh, but I think there's something like ten defenders in the squad now. It just doesn't feel like there's ten defenders in the squad when you watch them play, and that and that's that's been the real problem with the season. And it's like, look down and go, I quite like Godwin Malife as a player, I quite like Blake Tracy as a player, I quite like Tom Brewer as a player. I really liked Hutton. I, I thought that he got a lot of negativity that was a little bit unfounded for a guy who who was among the most um, significant providers of chances in the league. Um, but put them into a defensive shape or try to, and it just didn't work. And I think rejigging it to try and find that stability through through the middle so that when the ball comes in the box you can get it out of the box and it doesn't go through one person's legs and then another person's legs and someone can back heel it in and conceding back-to-back back heeled goals or in back-to-back games is is an un, it's an unusual situation um so if that can all be tidied up then yeah you know there may be a way in which Swindon can save some sense of pride from the season. I mean, promote, promotion's gone, but releg- and relegation would be absurd if they got relegated from this position. So it's about finding stability and trying to trying to build some sense of a squad. And that's why it's good that the majority of these are still permanents and there aren't too many loans in there because they can now think about building for the summer, um, which, I mean, again, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, on the 17th of January to say that, yeah. but it really, that's the case. It really is. It really is. You mentioned it there in passing. One final bit of player news. It's just breaking as, as we're talking. Romeo Hutton has left the club and joined fellow league tours, Ginningham for an undisclosed fee. And the, the amount of comments that I read about, you know, good, get the money in and, and let him go. You know, he's, he's not he's not a good defender. You know, he, he nine times out of ten, his crosses are rubbish. But I, I don't... I, I'm sympathetic. I'm I'm on Hutton's side. I think he he was pivotal in why we're not lower than we are right now, and indeed yeah. last season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's been very consistent in providing opportunities for players to score goals, and and uh, in the systems that he was being asked to play in, he he effectively was more of a, a wing forward than a wing back. Um, and I thought I I quite enjoyed watching him play. Yeah, he had bad games. Uh, 
I, I thought he had fewer bad games than most in that squad during the first half of the season. And it, it will be interesting to see how he's replaced. I think that it does make sense to to immediately give Godwin Malife that spot um, because he's he's got the ability on the ball and he's got the pace, but he's not got the delivery. Well, if he does have the delivery, brilliant, but it's very unlikely he's going to have the delivery um, of a Hutton. And Swindon will miss that quite significantly earlier in the season. Um, sorry, earlier in the second half of the season. And it's it's something that they'll have to figure out. So yeah, I'm a I'm a, on the side of, of Hutton rather than being a Hutton sceptic. Um, and it is, it's disappointing that, that he's gone. Um, I wonder what the fee actually was for him with, with a limited amount of time left on his contract. Mm. And when you consider the loanees that have left, including Ben Ward and Hutton's exit, we're still on even in, t- in terms of bodies, I think. We're still technically like no stronger than, than we were before in terms of, 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 of player count. But it, it feels like now... Well, I'm just interested to see how these new, these new guys bed in. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, a couple of games at home, um, uh, an opportunity to, to for all of them to make an immediate impression. Um, but again, it's hard for these guys to to hit the ground running without a lot of football behind them, um, and in a new environment, and under a new coach, and in the circumstances that the club finds itself in. Um, it, it's certainly it's certainly good that the club has managed to convince players that it's still okay to come here in the current environment, either that or their agents aren't really looking into the background of, of what's going on around the place. Um, and it's good that the club can develop them into assets. And you always have to think of ways in which they can develop assets in terms of value of players and having them on the books permanently makes the, an opportunity to to do just that, um, as much as that's a sort of very grim business way of looking at a football squad. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I, I'm, try, I'm gonna keep trying to remain interested from a, a footballing <laughs> perspective. It is quite hard this season because of the position in the league, and and the sort of speculation and conjecture and rumor and everything that's going on around it. I, I'm trying to stay interested in the football. Yeah, and there's a lot of football coming up. We've got a, you know back to back Saturdays and then Newport away, which I'm going to, and then I think another home game. So there's a lot of football. So we're gonna see a lot of these coming up. I'm looking forward to it. When when I booked you in for this when when sort of we we, we connected and you were like yeah we can do something it there was only one real story at, at the time and that was the exit of of michael flynn <laughs> and um you know we, we we look at the advisory board minutes um on michael flynn the manager has not lost the dressing room some players are not putting the in the effort flynn wants and needs flynn is showing passion and that he wants better from the players and we would rather see this and no passion from a manager uh, the club believe mike Flynn is the right person for the manager's role and wanted to lock him into a longer contract for that reason. And uh, they forgot to delete that from the advisory board minutes because in less than a month, they've ditched him. I, I really still do want your take on, on this. And indeed, the arrival, or the arrival, the, the appointment of Gavin Gunning as caretaker interim until the end of the season, it feels like a very rush decision this it feels like it yeah um obviously i asked clem morfuni earlier whether money came into the appointment i.e are they take are they taking six months out so that they don't spend six months of wages in the in the current situation the club finds itself in given it's not going to get relegated and it's not going to get promoted um and he obviously said no. 
as you would expect. Um, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if that came into the conversation, you know, appoint someone who you're already paying um, and sort of already knows the squad. Uh, and uh, from my understanding that the, the, the coach analyst um, that he works alongside is very well, very highly rated as well. So, so that's it, while it can appear to be a bit of a, um, uh, a hodgepodge of who's left to to coach the team, that there is talent there. Um, whether or not it's enough, I don't know. Um, the gunning ball from the post Morris era was entertaining but wild. So it'll be interesting to see whether it's a little bit more conservative this time around. Um, I don't know whether it was rushed or whether it was very much a clinical decision based on financials and uh, and who was available there. Um, in fact, I think what would have been more rushed was probably just to bring in anyone as soon as possible just for the sake of it. Um, that's not to say that I don't think it would be wise for the club to actually appoint a, a manager with credentials where possible. Um, but to to go through that process, and we know how long they took last time, at this point in the season, uh, might end up being, uh, a diff- might end up undermining any sort of potential recovery that the club can have with people who are already there. Um, you know, we, we haven't seen the opportunity for the, the the team to create that new manager bounce. Um, even if you don't, again, you can't really say it's new manager because he's been there for years. But it's it's a change of a change of of leadership, a change of structure, maybe a change of formation. So, uh, from a PR perspective, it is not particularly aspirational, and it doesn't send a great message. From a business perspective, I I understand it. Um, if it was driven by business, which obviously um, Clem Morfuni said it wasn't. Um, and from a playing perspective, I think that there, that the the the, um, the jury is out for a short period of time to see what happens next. And it could be crazy, or it could be um, absolutely fine. It, it it could be that they produce some entertaining football, produce some results. Fantastic. That's really all they need to do with this group of players. And it's tricky for the fans because the fans really do need to just support these guys. You know, there's a bunch of young pros on the pitch. Now, I, this is where the, we'll talk about later about conversations of protests and what constitutes what someone, some people might think are the right way of, of showing frustrations and concern. Um, but ultimately, there are quite a lot of young professionals involved in the first team setup, a very inexperienced coach. Um, it it feels to me kind of kind of important that, that at least they are treated with a decent amount of respect over the next two home games um, to give them an opportunity to to bed in. Um, but I'm sure we'll come on to that side of things sure. in a bit more detail. I'm sure we will. Um, given, firstly, I'm not. I want to just acknowledge that yes, Michael Flynn's form since October was was really really bad but it's all the other stuff is why it feels like um, not like your normal we've binned in because form was unacceptable and not, not at any stage of the club highlighted that I guess the biggest surprise for me now we're talking two days on is they've just signed two centre-backs surely if you've got these two lined up and we know at least one of them was ready 
or on the way in before he left, do you not give him a game or two with with his with his new defence? Uh, I mean, you could do. There is a school of thought that that would say that he got a, a lot longer than anyone ordinarily would, and you know, I I, I don't think that that is necessarily um, anything but financially related. I can't I can't see why they would wait so long without just hoping for a change in form, so they didn't have to uh, to sack him. Um, but you know, conceding seven goals in fifty nine minutes at home to a non league team would be grounds for almost anyone to be sacked. And and um, as much as I'm not in the calling for people to be sacked, just the realistic um, environment of professional football is most clubs would have to consider sacking their manager in that situation. That that Swindon didn't was you know part, part, probably partly out of loyalty partly out of what happened in the first nine weeks of the season, partly out of finances, and, and they continued to to keep him. Um, but then then you look at other results that, and other performances, like the 4-0 at Wimbledon or the 3-0 at home to Barrow when Swindon looked so limp, properly limp, um, like a pop balloon, and it just nothing is changing. And I'm, I'm wondering whether Lewis Ward's penalty save right at the end against Forest Green just pushed it into mid mid January because if that was a if that was a draw against that, then you would think that he's gone and then he survives that late goal against Colchester. I think, well, oh, but that was an awful, awful second half performance, and yet by all accounts, the second half against Crew was better, and there there were some signs of recovery. So, I, I think that it's just it, it got to a point where it probably felt untenable for the for Morfuni to keep hold of him like it. it it just didn't have any credibility anymore, um, and that's where where he's gone. So, uh, it, I, I was I'm always sorry to see a manager lose their job. You never want to see anyone lose their job, particularly you know in in the financial environment that we're all um, struggling with or dealing with. But the, in the realistic world of of football management, he got a lot longer than the vast majority would uh, in a professional club. I think so. I think so. Right. Now to the bit where I'm sure a lot of people have been waiting um, for us to cover, and that is the press junket that was the 17th of January, where Clem Fooney really did do the rounds. I think the what's best, people would have seen the run the runtime of this episode and gone, blimey, O'Reilly, what are they going to talk about for that long? But there is a, a good 20 minute plus Q&A now between Sam and Claire Mulfooney. So we'll, we'll we'll have a break and then you'll listen to that. And uh, in the meantime, me and Sam will gossip and uh, we'll be back in a minute. Hello, everybody. Summer is here. And when there's no Swindon town, I do enjoy using my favourite streaming services to watch, you know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before. But hey, I love it. OK, so don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home, but no more. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. 
NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month, and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlook Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager, Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with McDelivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Monka tackled Cantona. Cantona reacted strongly as a player must and won it back. But it was the afters. That's what all the fuss is about. Now, here goes Brian Hill. Over to the linesman on the far side. He's going to have a word with Jerry Lee. There's a card coming out. It's red. Clem, you've been the owner of this club for a couple of years. What has it taught you so far? Um, it's taught me there's some real highs and there's some real lows. Um, but, look, football's fickle, but it's a long game and you've got to play the long game. You can't play a short game here. And it's about cleaning up what I've inherited. And it, it has been difficult especially when you live on the other side of the world. Um, but I've, I've got a 100% commitment to the club and I talk to the, the staff every day and I twice, three times a day and Anthony can vouch for that because I keep ringing him. So for me, look, it, look, it's hard work and it's all about hard work. You've got to put the effort in and put the money in and it's all about that. So yeah, and, look, and the supporters, look, I understand that the supporters are a bit upset at the moment, especially where we are in the table, but obviously we made some changes, trying to get the um, more players, which we've done. We signed a couple of more players today, so which that would be announced, um, and just trying to be like communication a lot better than what we are. What do you need to do to make that communication better? Well, we have advisory board meetings every month, and I've been to every one of them. So we've had twenty-seven consecutive. Um, board meeting so with the supporters trust and supporters club so it's not like I have I've been I've been visible with the supporter groups I probably haven't done interviews and I'll tell you the truth I don't really like doing interviews I like just getting on doing the job look I think the first year I went out there and I really sold myself but we needed the our support back and what I inherited as a what the books looked like was an absolute mess and look we're trying to look do I make everything, is everything perfect? No. Do I, will I make mistakes? Absolutely. But we try, we just got to learn from those mistakes and move forward. On the pitch, obviously, you talk about the change you made. Mike Flynn has, has left the club. Um, what has not worked for his appointment, given how well it started in the first few weeks of the season? What what has not worked that ended up with the situation that we've, we've got at the moment? Um, look, obviously, the injuries killed us. Um, I think probably we probably needed more players. Like the season before, we had 33 players. This season, we had 22 or something. Yeah. 
Um, I think that was that was hard. Um, mate, football's up and down. Sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't. Um, I, I think, look, f- for me, we had to make a change um, to to improve it. Obviously, we, we bolster up the club. Look, I think Gav's been in the building for a while, so he understands the, the game, he understands the players. Um, and we just gotta, we got to support the players and the manager. Are you anticipating making a, a longer-term appointment before the end of the season, or is it very much until the end of the season, this current setup? Well, we'll probably just wait till the end of the season. Let's just see how the results, mm-hmm. it's a results business, so we've got to make sure that the results are right. Um, we're just looking, um, obviously he's appointed till the end of the season, but if we need to change things, then we'll have to change it. But at the moment, that's what I'm doing. Is finances brought into that for that decision at all? Um, obviously, it is people within the club, so it's not additional expenditure. And in the situation that the club is in, promotion is unlikely at this stage. Relegation is unlikely at this stage. Is, does finances come into a managerial appointment? Um, no, not, not really. Look, we're, we're balancing the books at the end of the day. I, don't want, I want the club to be sustainable. That's going to take a, a quite a bit of time, I think about two years, to get the club sustainable. Look, it might take longer, it might take shorter, but we just got to work out how we're balancing the books at the end of the day. And look, it's got nothing to do with the finances. We're, we're doing what we need to do at the end. So. And what does sustainability mean to you? So you say sustainable within two years. Does that mean operating within itself? Does that mean being rid of historic debt? Does it mean getting rid of people who might still have an interest in the club that shouldn't have an interest in the club? What is sustainability to, to you? Sustainability is me stop putting money into it. That's what sustainability for me is. Um, obviously, we've got rid of 95% of the debt already. Um, we've still got a few lingering things that we're trying to sort out. People are saying, well, why, did, why didn't you take, a longer, take it longer to, to pay it off? We couldn't because people were trying to wind us up, so we had to pay them them off anyone that we could do a payment plan we did um but yeah it's for me it's about making the club sustainable where i don't have to put money in and any money that we make we put back into the club to make sure that we we bolster up the club we need to build the foundations right at the moment the foundations weren't right when i first took over and it was an absolute mess i like never seen a, a business like it so i can see why it had issues but we're on our, the right path and we just got to keep working on it. We saw in the advisory minutes that came out yesterday that you put in another 850,000 in the three months to then on top of the quarter of a million before. So that's 1.1 million. Where is the cost pressure coming that you're having to inject so much capital? Well, it's obviously the cost of everything's gone up. Um, obviously, that's paying for the wages, the HMRC, the suppliers. It, look, everything's gone up at the moment um, and looking at our our sponsorship deals that we're looking at as well. Um, most of the historical debt's all done. So it's just about, it's, it's costing us, it's cost us a million pounds a year to run this club out of our, or out of my pocket, so. And how, how do you go about fixing that? Trying to get more revenue in and tr- trying to cut costs on certain items. Look, we don't, we're not gonna cut costs on the budget, on the playing budget, but there's other departments there we can cut costs which we should be. We're going through with Anthony and the team and going through each department and just working out what we need to do and how. Look, there's other revenue streams that we're trying to get um, outside outside the club, which we're trying to do. So, and 
that's through international academies and stuff like that. And obviously Gav came out to Australia, Jamie Russell, Bailey. So they all came out to have a look at what we can do. So there's other areas there that we can fix at the, at the end of the day. I think the spectators have picked up on the on the buzz phrase competitive budget from earlier in the year last year um, and then putting it against where the performances have been on the field. Is it a case that that competitive budget hasn't been realised or that it hasn't realised its potential? I think it's about realising potential. Look, there's some teams out there that spend a lot more than us and they're probably not in the position that they should be either. So I think it's not about the budget, it's about the people in in the building and on the pitch and making sure that we've got the right environment right environment to to play and I think that's important for us um, and we, we're always trying to improve the team here that we've got and off the pitch is really good from CEO down to the commercial to media to hospitality to academy when you look at the academy we won 2-0 against Man United last night which yeah. When you looked at it two years ago, we didn't really even have an academy. So it, it's it's quite a feat. We've got a women's team. We've bought a ground with the with the JV, with the Supporters Trust. So we've, we've done a lot. I don't think people realise how much we've done in the last three years. All right, I haven't been as visible, but I've been to JV meetings. I've been to advisory board meetings. So I've done it more and less with, through the supporter groups, not being on TV or on interviews every five minutes, which I want to get on with the job and not talk about the job. Have you sensed uh, fans becoming a bit disillusioned in recent weeks? Do you spend any time on social media? I imagine the answer is no, but I'm sure you're advised by people who are close or in this room about what's being discussed. Uh, do you recognise the conversations that are being had and, and how they're feeling at the moment? Oh, look, yeah. Look, look. I'm not on social media. Lucky I'm not because I'm, I'm getting quite a bit of flack at the moment but listen I'm Aussie I've got thick skin um, we've got a plan we stick to the plan we get on with the job um, I know that the fans are feeling a bit disillusioned due to the where we are in the on the table obviously we made a we made a change we've put some more players in um, there's a pretty good feel we had breakfast with the with the team and the new manager Gav and Jamie so there's a good feel about the whole on the team, on the pitch. So, yeah, oh, hopefully those those changes will be a positive step. Um, look, I'm saying to the fans, we want the fans to keep coming back. Like, without the fans, we, this club's nothing. So the supporters are everything to this club. And like I said to people, no one's bigger than the club and the club's the most important thing. And I've said that to players. Like, you, we want you to play for you, for the badge and the for yourself and the team. Um, obviously, a lot, a lot of those that you've brought in over the course of the past couple of years have been young players with potential. Is that as much a business strategy as it is a playing strategy? Is it part of making a club sustainable to, to grow talent, to have value and, and add to the, um, to the potential saleable assets that you have within the club? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, look, we're trying to get young players. We've got, obviously, we've got older players. We've got Charlie Austin. So when you, when you look at it, we're, we're trying to get a proper balance, but that's it's not really my decisions, more Jamie and Gav's uh, decision. We're, I'm not, I just write out the cheque and <laughs> send them what they need to send out. So for me, it's not really about 
it, look, we want to build young talent. When you got, we've got some young players in our team that come through the academy and come onto the first team. But then we've got older players as well. So you need a mixture where you need those senior players to be able to command on the on the pitch and you've got the younger players who have got obviously the legs to do what they need to do. So I think it's a bit of both, but it's more, you see now, I speak to Jamie and, and Gav a lot. Um, Gav's come to my house in Australia, so like and so is, so is Jamie. So we've got a personal connection with them and, and speaking to them like very regularly, like every day nearly. So it, it is it is important for us to have that bond. Um. On, I mentioned on this this post that the trust put up yesterday briefly. It's been deleted. If I could just read it to you, um, it says some of the agreements that you have in place that you're trying to, to deal with for the historical are for services, facilities, use, etc., and don't benefit the club. So the club want to stop these. Hence, legal work on some of these to clean this up and stop these occurring when no formal agreements are in place. Are there formal agreements in place that aren't? contractual that the club is still engaged in at the moment no no I don't. all the all the legal issues i've got are being from the previous owner it had nothing to do with me i like like i say to people i didn't create this mess i'm just trying to clean it up so for me to, to people say to me oh i'm still obliged if, listen i ain't going to pay anything if i'm not obliged to pay it i'll tell you that now that's how i work but i've, I've got some i've still got some contractual obligations that I've been lumped on, inherited, that I'm still trying to sort out. Um, and it's been three years and I'm still trying to sort them out. And when I first walked in, it was a lot worse than what it is now. We got, I think we've got three or four items that are still lingering on from the previous owner. And I'm still, I'm just trying to sort it out. I'm not, it's not like I'm taking money out of the club. I haven't taken anything, I haven't taken a penny out. So for me, people say I'm, I'm paying obligations because I don't have to, I don't have to pay it. I, if it's not in writing, I'm not contractually obliged. I don't pay in it. Say that now. <laughs> there is there is one other post that I'd like to put to you, um, which is some of the people involved in these supposed contra- uh, contracts that they they suggest are not the sort of people you can just ask to stop using facilities or services. Hence the legal route to safeguard the club and clean this all up. That suggests that there are some uh, unsavoury characters that are associated still with the club, either historically or, or currently. How do you respond to that? Look, I, I don't know who they're really uh, talking about. I, I, I could just assume there's one or two, but there's one guy that, Zav Austin, without him, I wouldn't have got the club. And I'm quite a loyal person. And without him, I would never have been introduced to Swindon Town. So I said to him, he, he's been involved as a friend of mine, as a guest. The only two people who are running this club is me and Anthony. Everyone else does not run this club, but we run the finance, we run the what, the shop, the commercial, everything. So at the end of the day, there's only one person that makes the final decision, that's me. And regardless of where I am on the planet, mate, and you can speak to Anthony about it, he, he can get a hold of me any time of the day or night or whatever it is, and I'm quite, I'm quite relentless on making those decisions. So for me, there's no, people can say what they want to say, but... We're in the JV meetings, we're in the um, support, the um, advisory board meetings that we go to. We make the decision, I sit down with Mandy Coe about the women's. Mandy Coe's done a great job with women's. It's been unbelievable what she's done with the women's, with the women's team. And we just had a meeting with her just now. 
in regards to the women, what she needed. And Anthony and I are the only ones who make those decisions and and that, that's how it works, simple as that. So listen, people will always make comment and that's their prerogative, but I've got a plan. The plan is to clean up the club. We bought the ground like we said. When I first came in, I had an 11 point uh, point, get rid of the debt, buy the ground, set up the women, set up JV meetings, um, annual accounts. I think the only thing I haven't done is the quarterly accounts. Um, the Supporters Trust, we've got a, a good relationship with the Supporters Trust, we've got a good relationship with the Supporters Club. We're open, tra- we're open to them, we're transparent to them. They've come in to have a look at the books, right? So there's no, I, I'm, not, I'm not hiding anything. They know how much it is to run a club. I, I'm showing them, I've got nothing to hide. Um, yeah, I might not be in, on media like, like people want me to do, but I've got a business back home. I've got 800 staff in, in four countries, five countries. So for me, I've still got a day job that pays for the, the other job that I got here, which I need to make sure that's done. So I'm quite, quite busy, but I've, I, I heard all the, all the comments that people are saying about me, and I thought well, it's, it's right for me to actually come out and speak because I haven't heard from it. But look, they can still speak through me through the, the advisory board meetings because I'm there. And they've got a, if they've got an issue, they can go and speak to the supporters just or the supporters club. So it's not a, I'm not hiding, <laughs> and I've been here. <laughs> sure, and I do appreciate yeah. you spending the time today. I just wonder why you feel the trust would say those things on social media. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I look, look, I don't have a problem with the supporters trust. I think they're 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 very good at what they do. Um, I've got an open dialogue with them. I speak to them, so there's not an issue. Um, I don't know. Look, some people got their own reasons why they they say things. I look. I'm, I'm not on social media because people send me stuff all the time. I was going to swear then. Sorry. Um, oh, that's okay. You can swear <laughs> swear as much as you like. Um, look, people write a lot of shit on on social media, but like I say to people, if you've got an issue, come and see me. I'm gladly talk to you and, and, and ask you, uh, answer any questions you want me to answer. I haven't got, I've got nothing to hide, I don't really. But I don't think people realise how hard it was to take over and clean up this whole, this mess. This club has not been run right for the last 20 odd years. So, and it's been, it, it's quite sad of what, where the potential can be and where we get. So we need to build our foundations. If we don't build the foundations right, we'll never, it's like building a house. Foundations aren't right, you're never going to build the thing. It's going to fall over. And we want to make sure it's right. And you need to build it right from the ground up. Um, the issues that remain from historic regimes, and including court cases between owners not involving you, but previous ones, um, obviously the issue involving uh, potentially links with Chelsea that was alleged against um, Lee Power. Are these all things that are, are still lingering and do you worry about potential implications for the club for the outcomes of those? The Chelsea thing, I, like, when someone told me that, I just I started laughing, but I don't know. I was an ear, so I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what, what that was the case. Um, do I worry about it? Oh, listen, if I worried about everything that needed to be done, I'd I'd be dead, but I just need to tackle with everything that needs that has come in my way. But look, I'm not too worried about 
other previous owners. I'm just worried about what needs to be done for the club. Um, I don't have... Look, there is court cases. Just got to deal with them. I don't. It's not the first time, the first court case I've had. It's not. It won't be the last. I just, I'm just trying to clean up the mess. That's all I'm trying to do. And have you had any further dialogue with the AFL over the issues regarding the share transfer and um, the the declaration of that uh, since September or October, whenever the uh, statement was from the AFL? And are you aware of any action that that they will take as a result of it? Um, there's, it's gone to an independent commission. Um, we've got the lawyers in. Look, I, look, I apologise. I shouldn't have done what I had done. Um, I probably should have notified. We were notified that we didn't have to tell the EFL, but obviously that was incorrect. So, look, I'll take it on the chin. I, I understand that. Um, I believe our lawyers have stated that it'll probably be a fine. So we're just waiting on that. But we're just waiting on the EFL decision to come through. And but it's gone to an independent commission. We've got it all sorted out. So we put our hand up and said, yep, we're wrong, shouldn't have done it. So You're going to have season ticket uh, sales coming up, not imminently, but pre- pretty soon and, and looking to sell. How are you going to pitch that to, to fans at the moment? It's been a disappointing season on the field. They've obviously got some issues off the field that they're unhappy with. How are you going to pitch it to them to retain the audience that's the, the core of that support? It's, when I, look, I came here before Christmas and... I was walking from the station to the stadium and I saw how hard people are doing it at Swindon Town. And the last thing we want as a club is put more pressure on the supporters, right? It's hard enough as it is. And football is supposed to be enjoyable. We want them to enjoy coming to football. And we don't want to put any more financial pressure on them. So obviously we've spoken to the supporters' trust and the supporters' club about freezing the season tickets, obviously. We're looking at the match day tickets as well and have a look at that. And also we want to simplify the categories because there are a bit too too many categories. So we we need the fans to be here. Without the fans, we've got nothing to do that now. Right? And, yeah, I put my hand up. We've made mistakes and we should be, we should be a lot better. But I'm, not, I'm human. I make mistakes and we're not perfect, but we're always learning. We want to make sure that the supporters are backing us and we're backing them and making sure that they're proud to be a Swindon Town fan to make sure they've got the, the right players on the pitch. So, yeah, we're looking at that. We've already spoken. We had the uh, advisory board meeting before Christmas, I think it was, and we discussed about season tickets, But and that's what we've done. So we, we've, we go to the, the supporters' groups, ask them what they think. They give us our, their feedback, and, we, and then, we, then we'll do a pitch. So, so is that is that a, a pledge now that they're freezing, or are you still working through the business side of it? They probably will be frozen. Pro- probably, they will be frozen. How's that? <laughs> and, they will be frozen. And the 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 brackets you mentioned of different kinds of, of tickets. Could you just sort of expand on that? I know that was in with the minutes, but there was a limited amount of detail. Um, yeah, there's too many categories. We're just trying to work out what the best category is to, to simplify. There's there's I think about thirteen. Don't quote me on it. Sure. But there's there's different categories that we need to work out. Are we going to still have them or not have them? So we're just trying to... We, we, we don't do anything without talking to the the advisory board meeting. So they tick off on it. So at least we've advised them and then they can come back to us and say, yeah, we agree with that, we don't agree with it, and this is what we should do and we work it out from there. I imagine I is partially already on the summer and what can be done to, to mount a, 
a bigger campaign. Of course, there could be a remarkable run of form over the next three months that changes that. But realistically, it's likely to be next year. Um, competitive budget again. It was what was mentioned last year. Do you feel that will be possible again in the new season or over the summer for whoever is in charge of the first team? And what does a competitive budget look like in League Two in the current financial environment? Depends on what teams are in there. Um, there's some, listen, there's some big teams out there that are pumping a lot of money in and nowhere near playoffs. Um, I look, will I say it's competitive? Look, it is competitive, but maybe to some other clubs it probably isn't. To other clubs it probably is. So is look, you know, look, I will back the manager as much as I can, right, which we will, but I'm not going to throw stupid money at the club and then put this club into debt and then it goes into admin. I'm not do, doing that. We're going to try to run this club like a proper club and build build it up, prop, up properly. Would you consider additional support from an investment perspective, someone to come in and support you if it was to inject capital so you didn't have to or the club could get it? I'd look at any any opportunities, but... Until someone actually turns up with with a checkbook, there's a lot of rumours out there and mm-hmm. people saying a lot of things. But until someone actually comes to the knocks on the table with and not talking crap and they're actually talking real, then I'd look at it. But a lot of people say, "Oh, yeah, the club's up for sale." The club's not up for sale. But it's like if I come to you and I say I want to buy your house and I'm going to go offer you ten million quid, you might go, "Yeah, I'll, I'll sell it." Yeah, absolutely, would sell it. Do you want it? No. <laughs> Depends where you live. Where do you live? Uh, probably probably in a place not, not nice enough for you to consider. Clem, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate no it. Thank you. All right, there we go. So how did you find Clem Morfuni? Uh, well, it's not the first time that I've met Clem. Um, I, I met him uh, for the first time in 2017, I think, and have had on-off communication with him since, not not in any detail. Um so I, you know, he knew of me and uh, and basic my basic background, and and I know a little bit about him. Um, I think, though, I'm not 100 percent certain. I think that I was the first um, of the interviews to be conducted today, which uh, would have given me an advantage in in terms of his uh, manner and his um, demeanor, because obviously, if you're answering the same questions four or five times in a row uh, over the course of an afternoon, you're going to get tired and, and perhaps touch you by the end of it. So um, I encountered a jovial, um, smiling, uh, slightly defensive when it came to asking about some of the um, concerns that, that have been raised in uh, fan on fan forums and on social media and in, in other private conversations that I've had over recent weeks. Um, but generally... He seemed to be relatively chirpy. Um, I don't know whether you can read anything into that. I genuinely think that I was the start of an afternoon of interviews, and by the end of it, the people who were interviewing him would have got uh, a different sort of demeanour. Um, but it was it was half hour a half hour chance to talk to, talk to him. Um, Anthony Hall was also present as an observer, and that's the first time that that I've met him in person, um, and. You know, you you guys have just heard those twenty five minutes of of conversation of on the record conversation, um, which went largely as I expected it to go. It's a lot of issues to to try and put into a short period of time, 
and equally, this is the first opportunity that I've had in a media capacity to to interview uh, Clem Morfuni and to ask him questions about the current situation. So um, it was not as uh, as easy as others might think to try and insert some uh, more pointed, angled, accusatory questions. At the moment, I was trying to get a get a read of him and to try and establish where he's trying to position himself and the club at this stage so it was um it was nothing nothing new and i think if we go across the various um interviews that he's given today if anyone is brave bold and has the patience to to listen or or read all of them <laughs> then i don't think there'll be a great deal of difference they i think they he'd obviously had a, a a briefing session or had had a conversation about what was going to be said not that he was necessarily on script but there were certainly themes and then to have a look at the club video that's been released there is specifically five themes that that he has addressed and um he had in fact he had a, a sort of powerpoint a printed out powerpoint presentation in front of him during our interview i don't think that he wasn't reading from it for us but i think that maybe that was what he was um talking about for the club interview. So he's obviously got parts of he, of what he said that he, he specifically wants to say. Um, there were, obviously we tried to address between myself, Andrew Hawes, uh, Joe, we tried to address every area. Half an hour is never going to be enough in that extent. And there's plenty that we still need to learn, understand, corroborate, source, um, to fully understand exactly what's going on. But I, I thought that it was a useful exercise for me coming back to the club um, and meeting him in this capacity for the first time to get a, uh, a sort of his position on things, what he was going to say to me, laying down a marker that we can use as a yardstick to measure um, against in the, in the weeks and months to come. Um, so for that sense, it was a useful activity. Um, I don't think that, and I don't think it was ever likely to, get the answers that maybe people wanted yeah uh, i've listened of course to yours i've listened to joe's i've listened to andrew's i've listened to parts of the official um interview with the club and yeah th- th- there's not much going on really and unless as somebody said to me there's not there's not much going on unless you want to play count the statements you believe uh, which you know is, is cynical. I appreciate, but I, I was kind of taken aback listening to all of them. When you think about, and I, I don't want to sort of compare it to online noise because online noise can be can isn't always the, the definitive across the fan base. But we know there have been things within this ownership that have been outright balls ups. That isn't rumor. That isn't mm-hmm. hearsay. And listening to 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 Clem Orfini today, it was like he didn't have a care in the world. It felt like we were higher in the league, in a better state across the board. I mean, he's, he, it it just felt completely disconnected from the reality that I feel like I experience as a fan. Yeah, I think he mentions in passing on occasion about mistakes that he's made previously or that the club has made previously. I think that the issue is that the club hasn't recognised the scale of the mistakes 
in terms of how fans have perceived them or or indeed in certain cases the reality of of those mistakes obviously the biggest one being the failure to disclose that the shareholding change to the EFL and they he, he obviously he's said there that the lawyers for the club expect it to to be a fine rather than a points deduction um which is just as well, really, because if they ended up with an Everton-style points deduction, at that point we do start worrying about relegation this year, if it was to be implemented this year. Um, but it looks as though they're going to avoid that. But that, I think that is the, that is the key part where a lot of people lost faith in this uh, ownership, was that particular issue. Whether it is the fact that, that, um, that, the, club, that the club's fans have been misled willfully or otherwise um that's a a major problem um the fact that it was kind of brushed away as being not in not hugely serious uh both from a a sort of social contract perspective a trust perspective as in trust with a small t um between the fans and the club when in reality it is a fundamental breach of trust between uh, the fans uh, and the club that is very hard to come back from. Um, and I don't think that they quite got that bit. Um, I, th- I think that they're struggling in general at the moment from a comms perspective. And I, I'm always hesitant to be hypercritical to comms departments. I've only met Henry Port at the club for the first time today. And in a lot of, a lot of small um, sports clubs, uh, professional sports clubs they're under resourced in communications departments and they've not got the the requisite experience and um and help to be able to put together a strategy which actually informs um their community properly and engages their community properly and, and sometimes they can be left to have to do all of the marketing and all of the um you know the football in the community comms and they have to do the women's comms and they have to put together a program and then they have to do internal communications they have to do, do accreditation for matches and it's it's all quite a lot to do and at the same time put together a strategy that takes into consideration the whole of the local community and the information that should be shared how it should be shared where it should be shared and when it should be shared and i think that they have a communications issue in that respect and i say that's not the fu- that's not the fault of the communications department it's because the they generally and Swindon aren't unique in this, they're understaffed. But it, it started then and it started with Rob Angus's departure and it has not recovered because they have not realised the scale of that mistake. And um, they, I, I fear that they won't, or I don't know if fear is the correct word, but I think that they won't get most of those people that they've lost back on side barring some considerable show of transparency combined with a considerable improvement on the pitch. Um, and I, I th- that's a big problem for a community club and, and lower, smaller teams. So in, in, the, in, the, in the scale of the Football League and the Premier League as a whole is a smaller club. They need to make sure that they keep touch with that community properly. And they the club do so many, so many good things at foundation level, uh, in disability well, until recently, obviously that they, they, they've had um, they've had some excellent disability work. The junior Reds work has been superb. Their their outreach in the community is good, but none of these things gets the same sort of attention in the media and and on social media and through forums and in the pub and at family dinners as the fans being lied to or being misled willfully or otherwise by the owner. 
And that is a huge problem. And I don't think that they fully recognized the scale of that problem. And since then, it means that a vacuum has been created of, of fact, which has allowed quite a lot of speculation, quite a lot of rumor that is with foundation and quite a lot of rumor that is without foundation to sort of just swirl and exist. And I don't think people believe them now when they say most things from, from what I'm saying, that there's a lot of people who um, in a, a year ago would have been going, yeah, okay, all right, fine, yeah, we'll believe you in this. You know, it, it's a difficult time. There are still a lot of lingering issues from previous, well, Morfuni says previous administrations. Um, I thought that the historic debt, which would be the only real issue lingering from the black administration, has gone. So it can't be that. And I'm pretty sure that there's anything that, that was in the, the brief period that uh, Jed McCrory was involved is is not going to be lingering in the same st- the same sort of scale as the ownership issues of, of the Lee Power Age. That, so that I- was that was a big question within the the groups that I'm in. How surely when you inherit something, when you buy something and you inherit issues, the majority of the time the the magnified, the real problems are in season one. When you've taken it on, you're discovering all the mischief, you, 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 you're discovering it's worse than you thought. But it just seems to be ramping up in, in season three. How is that happening? And how can it be just blamed on previous administrations? <laughs> um I can't answer with a great deal of clarity because I don't have an answer that is sufficient to to say for definite why that would be the case or what the exact issues are. So I don't want to contribute to the environment and put uh, put um, some sort of speculation that doesn't have anything more than um, anecdotal evidence to support it. Um, there are, in terms of cost, which is a large a large issue, that there is obviously an inflationary environment and there are costs that are rising which will have topped up previous legal situations or contractual disputes or whatever it happens to be. Again, I've not, I've not seen the accounts, so I don't know what they say. Obviously, we have, a, we have a element within the fan base that has seen the accounts and can say what they are um, and, and how much those costs have, have gone up or down. Um, but I don't know what the agreement is there precisely as to what they can say publicly um i have been told of uh various issues relating to a past administration that are definitely still lingering and i do buy that there are problems from the power era that remain whether that can account for everything that we've been told is the problem i don't know um but as ever with um, Clem Morfuni, I don't think that everything that he says is a, is a lie. And uh, I don't think that necessarily everything that he says is is 100% accurate um, either. So it's it's very difficult to, to find the truth through all of this. And that's what the most important thing for me is to try and do. Um, and and that's the, the conversation that I've been having with people over the last two or three weeks has been to try and ground myself in the reality of the club at the moment and what life is like and the problems and and try and 
uh, speak to as many people as I can to formulate an opinion properly for myself. And I haven't come to that complete opinion yet, but something is obviously not quite right. And uh, establishing where the responsibility lies for that is is kind of kind of important. But a lot of people have made up their minds where the responsibility lies, and and that's the problem for the club is that they have um, allowed a situation where they've lost control of the narrative, and now they can't say anything without being questioned in certain sections or not believed in certain sections, and it just doesn't feel that that is going to be won back. And because of that, it feels like this particular ownership is going to be faced with a very fraught future, regardless of whether things improve on the pitch or not. He's quite inconsistent with the future of his ownership in in terms of whether he stays or goes. Like Across these interviews, there was like, I'll listen to offers, you know, and there were others where it was, hey, someone's going to pay I'll go, you know, and that the, there are always solid rumours that there are interested parties. I'm a firm believer, and I know one of the, 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 the very quick, flippant responses from some fans is, where are these owners? Well, they're everywhere. You know, the, I, I know enough about this industry to know consortiums aren't necessarily, necessarily putting their finger on a map. They are reaching out to industry people saying, we want to buy a football club, find me one. You know, and and they're everywhere. If if Carlisle United can be bought, Swindon Town could be bought. If Crew Alexandra can be bought, Torquay could be bought. You know, it, it 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 they're always out there. It's just what it's just the framework within is what's going to make or break Swindon. Do you, did you get any sense that Clemore Fooney would walk away from this if if the if the opportunity arose? Yes. There we go. We because, well, I mean, because Rich, the opportunity would um, be him being paid back nicely and being um, given cash that would satisfy his valuation of the club, whatever that valuation happens to be. And I, I have heard numbers which I'm not, I haven't been able to shore up as to what the club is currently valued valued at by its its director. So I, I'm not going to try and spout that now, but. Evidently, there is a value. Um, if that value is is achievable, and a sale is realistic, and you're in a situation where you're going to not lose money, you might make money back. It, it is at that point that you've got to see. Well, if he's not doing it, if he's not going to sell for cash like that, why? Um, and people can think of that and decide what they want. I don't think that that, I don't think based on the valuation that I have heard that is necessarily a realistic possibility at the moment that someone's going to come in and, and purchase the club or ha- or be willing to put the, the cash in to, to do it, um, which is, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, the club is in theory is in such a good position from a catchment area perspective, from a, um, a geographic perspective, um, from a history perspective, but it there are, there's more to a club purchase than geography and history, um, and geography and history, maybe not the most important elements of uh, of what people look at when they they're trying to buy into the into this industry. Um, so yeah, I think that he would sell. 
um, personally, but uh, whether that actual offer is ever going to come in, I am very unconvinced by. Do we need to know more about the Chris Kylie situation? Yeah, that, that's something that um, that I actually failed today to question. I should I should have asked him about it, and I and I didn't. Um, I think it is important to know how much he's involved in every aspect of the club. You know, he's not a, he's not a declared person. Of, well, I mean, obviously his wife has has got a stake in it, which is going they to both be him. they're both significant significant interest, control. Yeah, yeah. Um, but beyond that, how much is he involved in the recruitment? How much is he involved in the general strategy of things? Clem today, in most of the interviews, was saying there's only two people that run this club, and that's him he's, and Anthony Hall. Said that many a time <laughs> yeah um, um and people are questioning it and they're questioning it because they don't believe it because they hear about the involvement of other people in different ways and at different levels of the club um the the issue with with where we get to when we're trying to report on this is negotiating the balance between forming a relationship and maintaining a relationship asking the questions and getting the answers and losing control of uh, of that two way narrative, so it takes time to to try and get those answers. But it's certainly something that we we should know a little bit more about, given the amount that we speak about it. By we, I mean as a fan base, the amount that we speak about it in private. Um, so it's probably is incumbent on those of those of us who are uh, involved in covering the club too to get more answers on as we go forwards. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything nefarious going on with it. It's just another thing that's sort of happening in the shadows that allows people to talk and wonder. And that, that talk and that wonder might be based in reality, or it might be based in a little bit of fiction. And, um, and we need to need to establish that. So yeah, yeah, of course we need to know, and it's something that that we as a media group should be looking to do. What were the what were the big takes for you from your conversation? What were, what were the bits that interested you the most? Um, I, I mean, I got most of the answers that I could. If you'd given me all the questions, or give myself all the questions before the interview, I could have probably predicted generally the answers that would have come from it, which actually suggests a reasonable amount of briefing. Um, in, so in terms of comm strategy, that that's a good good thing. Uh, in terms of a transparency strategy or a transparency in general, that that may not be quite as good. Um, I, I am very interested in what happens with the various issues relating to past misdemeanors either by this administration or by previous administrations and how the EFL deal with it and the club is obviously convinced that they're not going to end up with any kind of penalty that impacts on the playing side um so so that is that is in theory a, a good thing for the, for the club but um it's quite. A, it still remains quite a large problem that that was done and not disclosed, and then the fans were misled, and the mistake doesn't quite seem to have been clocked. The, the significance of the mistake, both in terms of an administrative perspective, in terms of a fan relationship perspective, 
um, to an extent, a competence expect, uh, uh, point of view as well. So that, that area continues to interest me a lot. Um, I think that that uh, there needs to be an acceptance, a more of an acceptance that that the way in which the supporters are being spoken to is just not consistent and clear enough. And that's leading to, to these issues that we've already spoken about and I'll sound like a broken record. Um, I think that's a, that's a large part of it. Uh, you know, I put all of those bits as you've heard about the, the, the trusts uh, deleted tweets and you and I, and many others have spoken about the, uh, the stories that, sort of tied in with what those tweets said and obviously for the sense of fairness we should say that the trust issued a clarification today to say that it was improper and um uh, and that they shouldn't have tweeted it etc obviously when something's spoken it's hard to unspeak it um i think that those conversations and that and trying to establish the background of what that is and the truths there is important for everyone, but that's going to take time. And it's also something that's much harder to speak about publicly. It's much harder to ask direct questions. There's all sorts of, uh, of complications with that. Um, you know, we can have a conversation in private and it's fine, but you try and take that public and it comes with a lot of, of potential ramifications if you get it wrong. Um, so that there are, there are elements there that I would like to follow up on going forwards. Um, most of all, I will be interested to see when I, when we get to the summer how this conversation today compares against what has happened in the in the few months after. Because for me personally, coming into this situation and doing this for the first time with Glenmorfuni, it gives me an opportunity to put that yardstick down. I've got some answers, some some very basic non-headline grabbing answers, but they are answers on the record to questions that are pertinent to the um, uh, the future success uh, and indeed the the future sustainability of the club. And we'll be oh, we I say we I mean I can can use that to compare against as I go through. And because I've not been involved previously, it gives me the opportunity to to do that. Um, because before the before the last couple of weeks, all I have been is is a fan who's got a season ticket and and has chats with people. I've done no additional diligence. I've not done any actual um, investigative work into anything. I've not done any concerted uh, source gathering. So I'm starting from from uh, square one, and I can use this as a way to judge this ownership against its own answers and that's the most useful part of uh, of what today was for me though i appreciate that for many many others that's not particularly useful but going forwards it, it, it is useful to me yeah i think that's a fair point i mean i'm one of those bitter uh fans really in the sense that we've got statement upon statement upon advisory board minute upon advisory board minute where things are said and they're not actioned um I, I i sometimes i find these sort of these intense press junkets just a little bit gaslighty you know previously openness and transparency openness and transparency and now it's sustainable football club sustainable football club sustainable football club i just feel if you they they have this this 
policy of if you say it enough times, it will get people on board. It will get people on board. And I think what we've seen in the last week or so is that they're losing that. They're all going to, they're always going to be fans that just want to go to football, enjoy 3 p.m., 7.45 and go home. And they don't really care about the behind the scenes stuff. But I've seen that turn of people that have been pro clam or at least benefit the doubt with clam that have just gone, you know what? It's just too many times. Yeah, and I can I can understand that. And um, again, it comes it comes down to both communications and to actual delivery on promises. Um, I think I mean in in that interview, Clem started reeling off things that he that he has done, um, and it's funny that you can sort of tick off depending on how you look at what he promised. You can tick off a fair number, or you can look at it and go, well, actually, has he done that? And actually, has he done this? Um, and it can be quite a subjective look at it. Um, and at that point, it's then keeping a fan base on side. There's just so, there's so much, there's so much rumor going around at the moment, of which there seems to be enough tangible credence to believe at least parts of it that you wonder, and and that's the that's the big problem for me now. Um, others will have been lost, through, as you say, through a lack of consistency in statements or through the same thing being said and nothing being actioned. But for me, the biggest issue at the moment is there's a vacuum. The club aren't communicating in a way that prevents that vacuum and they're not uh, persuasive enough or um, even I don't know, transparency is such a, such a funny word for a football club. And then whether you can be transparent, I don't know. Um, but there's 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 problems in that communication that is meaning that this uh, little whirlwind of uh, of anecdotal evidence, speculation, conjecture, and stories is is just taking hold, and it it won't go away. And that's I'll keep saying it again. I don't think that this ownership will be able to get it to go away, and and that will be it'll be a problem when it starts to really impact on their bottom line, which it may well do. Um, maybe not this season. But it, there's a large possibility that it starts to, to to impact it when the season ticket sales come out, even if they are freezing it. Um, so obviously that's a bit of a backtrack on the nine free games sort of um, comment. Yeah, it was it was a remarkable moment of a remarkable season, but not for the for the right reasons. Uh, let's, let's stay with the transparency side of things because I think we do need to talk about given that we're just covering the last forty eight. <laughs> <laughs> in Swindon Town, the advisory board minutes. Um, I'm on the record saying I'm not a fan of them. I think they cause more problem than they're worth. I think their their desperation or their attempt to show that they're open and transparent gets them in a lot of bother. Um, this They got it wrong just by releasing it two hours before... A, uh, a, the youth team, the under-18s biggest games of possibly some of their lives um, and it just created the usual explosion that it does these days. Um, a few lowlights include the turnstile issue which keeps keeps moving on and the club is actively looking at clamping down 
on people using wrong tickets, i.e. the last game, they found at least 20 people using children's tickets when they were adults, etc. It was suggested that potentially specific turnstiles could be used for adults and children. <laughs> yeah, well, um, as parents of young children, yes. both, Richie and I, we obviously uh, see that as a bit peculiar. Uh, I think the issue that we have here is that, the, yes, these are minutes, but they're not, they're not minutes in the traditional sense in that we know who says what. So I do, we don't know whether that's been proposed by um, by the trust, by the supporters club, by the sponsors representative or by one member of the club. So it's hard to know. And I don't know who actually said it. Of course, it's a silly proposition. You, you can't do that. Um, and the focus as well by doing that and having that higher up than other elements which people consider to be more relevant is always going to be a problem. I'm not against an advisory board, though I think it's relatively limited in a in an incorporated company. Of course, you, there are a few ways else that you can get representation um, uh, of the fans onto a onto a so-called advisory board. Um, but I, so I, I'm quite in favour of the concept of it. I think yes, the, way, the way in which it's presented again is a problem. Both how long it takes to produce the uh, minutes which to me is just renders half of the document pointless every time because a lot of the things mentioned have already passed so it's hard to actually use that as a tool to keep uh, the club to account so that's a problem how they're presented uh, is, a, is an issue um, because it doesn't give enough information as to the way in which things are spoken about there it's overviews that sort of present it as a bit of a closed book so the people who are on the advisory board know exactly what's been talked about, but everyone else sort of has to guess exactly how conversations evolved to create those points. That's a problem. Um, And then obviously the English is not good and some sentences aren't sentences. Some phrases aren't phrases. uh, And it just, just feels not professional enough and not as much as though there's enough care that goes into it that they actually want fans to be able to take information from it. If it's an exercise in transparency, be fully transparent. Don't be opaque. And that's the what you get from this, deliberate or otherwise, is a tinted window rather than an open window. And if they could find a way of making it an open window, to me, these would be very useful and would give an insight into the, the operational structure and the thought process of those who are involved in the, in the running of the club. As they are, they can just be a little bit silly. And, and that only makes the club look silly. Yeah, agreed on all fronts there. Um, the the other area which created the most noise, I suppose, was um, stuff based on the financial side, as well as £250,000 earlier in the season. Clem has put in an extra £850,000 in the last three months. This may not be the last cash injection required this season. The club is continually reviewing the cash position in line with the revenue streams that the club currently has with a view to how these can be improved moving forward. And then we also had a bit that said the budget from the transfer window was not fully used. Uh, We had three deals fall through the day before the end of the summer window. There's money for January. Um, Despite the cash issue, of course, streams, money goes in all different places. But the trust probably to Morfuni's dismay, having listened to him answer questions on this today, tried to firefight the advisory board minutes on Twitter slash X and suggested that the club was spending £850,000 on legal costs for arrangements that don't benefit the club and don't have contracts 
or agreements to them because some of the people involved are not the sort of people you can just ask to stop using facilities slash services, hence the legal route to safeguard the club and clean this all up. As you quite rightly point out, Sam, the Supporters Trust have since released a statement that says we published a message last night relating to a legal matter listed in the latest advisory board minutes. And this is an ongoing case. We realize we should not have discussed this, hence the deletion. The comment was not intended to suggest any threat to any individual associated with the club or the trust. We have a commitment to a renewed approach in providing more clarity and insight to members and supporters. However, we recognize that we need to choose our words more carefully and that casual conversations may not be appropriate in all situations. I'm sure people within the trust will be smarting from this and saying it was out of context, but some of the people involved are not the sort of people you can just ask and stop stop using facility services, hence the legal route to safeguard the club and clean all this up. That I mean, I don't know how you can interpret that any other way. No, the, the immediate interpretation is that there are heavies in there who will just use the club for whatever they want to use it for. It doesn't matter whether there's a contract or not. Um. <sighs> We obviously have conversations, and you and I will have had conversations that tally with that as well, which only adds the credibility to it. Again, I can't go into any more detail and specifics because I haven't done enough diligence on those conversations that I've had um, to to be able to, with any conviction or sense of you know security, and bearing in mind that I am not working for a uh, a business with a large legal budget, and bearing in mind that I. Uh, have had previous dealings with people who might not be the most savoury that the, there are many sort of things that I would want to be certain of before I was to speak any more detail about the conversations that are going around but it's the fact that those conversations fit alongside that comment that makes you go hmm and that's another problem. And then I, I'm you and I are not the only ones that are going to have had these conversations. They are being openly had by a number of people. And if I'm aware of a number of people that are having them, then they must be ha- being had by dozens of people, which means that it is a, a general conversation about certain elements of, uh, of who is maybe not directly involved, but who has been connected with the club in some capacity over the past couple of years. That's a problem. And the trust saying it publicly, in one sense, is good because the conversation is sort of there. But in another sense, it's like, well, there's no detail of it. And is it the responsibility of the trust to to make those sorts of comments in an off-the-cuff manner on Twitter of an evening? And, and, and then we've got the additional problem in that in in conversations today, obviously, Clem Morfuni has sort of cited that the cost, the capital injection that he's been putting into the club, um, or that has been put into the club, is for uh, tax bills or for player wages or whatever, which actually does make sense. It's not an unusual thing for an owner to do in a football club. Uh, even as recently as this week, the, the Preston ownership has put in 1.1 million in new shares to cover stuff like this. This is this is not unusual for that to happen, um, but it doesn't stack up against other people who are who have connections, strong connections in in the, in the sense of the trust, saying that they 850 was as part of 
legal a legal situation so either there's been a complete miscommunication or a confusion as to what that actually was in, and in which case if they if there's no certainty in where that is it shouldn't be publicly stated if they don't know for certain it shouldn't come out publicly like that um or someone isn't telling the truth <laughs> um and and that just adds to this this gray area where where the only people who end up really worrying about this and losing a lot of sleep are the fans and and it's just it's silly this vacuum of information this lack of clarity this failure to understand the social contract that everybody has in this relationship in a community club the size of a town of swindon is infuriating and it's been going on for a decade and it's not getting any better and it it has to change at some point um and this was just the latest example. It is probably the most profound example that we've had um, because it's been publicly stated, albeit in not so many words, um, about some of the the, uh, the anecdotal issues that, that are around the club that people might disagree with that may or may not exist. Um, but it's been happening for 10 years. And this has just been such a problem. And I don't know... I'm just desperate for the, for our club to stop having its, this problem, to, to, to recognise its responsibility to its community and to engage in a way in which people aren't constantly concerned about what their team is going to, or their club is going to be like in, in the next few years. I don't, again, it's another thing that I don't really see changing because I don't think that they, they fully recognise how the supporters feel and i don't think they fully recognize the importance of communications and then we don't know how much of what we hear is actually correct um, and how much of it is exaggerated and how much of it is actually false and yeah it's just a it's just ridiculous that you know we speak for an hour and 10 minutes and it's always comes back to why is the club so shit <laughs> why indeed why i mean we'll never figure it out really it just feels like we we attract it so to close what now because 24 hours ago i think the notion of a momentum of protest of some form felt like an inevitability you know, it, what what they're protesting for and how they're going to do it, I don't know. But it felt like there was enough chatter for there. And I wouldn't be surprised if we, we hear pockets of it um, on Saturday if, if that game goes ahead. But also, like, we've signed a couple of players today. He's done a press um, day where he said the same things. Do you think there's a sense now that everything's going to be like, well, let's just, let's just see out the season until the next crazy thing emerges and do you think they've done enough today to to simmer things um or or do you think that this is only going to get louder um i don't think it necessarily gets louder i don't think it's going to get quieter um i think that those who are who have been lost to this ownership or who the ownership have lost are not coming back i think i think there are still a chunk of people who are undecided. And then there are obviously people who just want to go to football and watch the team play on a Saturday um, and will turn up anyway. And there um, are ardent Morfuni fans as well, of course. 
And there are, yeah. Um, and and there is recent, uh, there is decent reason for people to have been supportive of him um, over the course of the period of time that he's been there. Um, I think that I think that it feels as though some sort of some sort of protest is going to eventually take place. I th- I don't think that this is wholly about the football, though obviously no. that the nature of the season is is only going to exacerbate the situation. I don't think that it's all about the fact that this could break the Beamish line and it could be the worst season that we've had. Um, and those people aren't going to change their minds now. Um, that They have made their minds up. The undecideds... Um, I, I think can be swayed by both on and off the field, but I don't see I don't see it getting any worse on the field than the last three months has been because mm-hmm. you can you can hardly have much worse than, than the last three months has been on the pitch. So it will be interesting to see if Gunning can motivate a team, mobilize a team, just get it structurally adept at defending, which would be hopefully picked up on by the fan base. Just you know, a couple of clean sheets would make a, a world of difference. To imagine two two one nil wins in the next two games would be a complete change in the, in the way in which the fan base views the football team, if not the football club. So yeah, I think that there can be some levity brought to Saturdays for ninety minutes. I think that the lingering questions are going to remain for a while, and as I as I've sort of repeated it to a boring extent this evening um i don't think that the club are going to convince people who've made up their minds to change their minds on what this ownership is about um yeah. for 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 the point of record i haven't made up my mind um <laughs> personally uh and uh that is there, there is a lot of information that i'm i'm trying to sort of wade through at the moment and it is useful to speak to anyone who wants to talk um, so that, that I can get a better understanding of it. And I'm very grateful to those who, who have so far um, given their time to speak to me. But I, I'm still, having dealt with the previous owner, I, I just don't, I don't class this owner currently in the same bracket, but evidently he is uh, not performing as an owner in terms of creating a club with a, a successful on-field record and with a communication strategy that puts it at the heart of its community. Um, and those those are two areas which, which need a lot of work. And then obviously there's the other stuff, which I'm still trying to discern what I think is true and what is exaggerated or is false. And then maybe I, in time I can make a, a better decision for myself on that. Um, but Lots of people have already been lost and they're not coming back. And that's why I think protest is probably, some form of protest is probably inevitable. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And I've, I've really appreciated and enjoyed this, which was very well considered. And I thank you for it. Sam, thank you very much. <laughs> You're very welcome, Rich. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the 
podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, you Reds. Come on, Fred. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.